Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is Season 3, Episode 14, Well Pleased. And I chose that phrase because I want to talk about what it means to be the beloved son of the Father in whom he is well pleased. I think, especially kind of in this quote-unquote Christian walk or this Christian life or you know, following the way or whatever, however you want to say it, it doesn't really matter. I think we really get caught up a lot of times in works and labor. This idea of being a quote unquote good Christian, as if that exists. Because if 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 to be a Christian means to be Christ-like, there's no good or there's no bad. There's just like him. And the thing that we seem to miss so many times is that because of the finished work of the cross, we are like him. The problem is, is that we just don't always know what that looks like. We don't always understand in fullness what it means to be like him. So we still make mistakes and we still have learning pains and growing pains. And we still miss the mark sometimes. And, you know, we make bad choices. We make bad decisions, all of these different things. It's all part of this learning process, this maturation process. But it's like we want to disqualify ourselves every time we mess up. Like I think I've mentioned before, one of the worst conversations I ever had with somebody that is really important to me in my life, when uh, when she said, oh, well, it doesn't even matter because I'm already going to hell, so who cares? And it broke my heart because, first of all, as, as you all know, if you follow my ministry for any length of time, I don't believe in hell as a destination anyway. I don't believe in it as a, you know, a lake of fire or whatever, or a, a eternal conscious torment of punishment for quote-unquote bad people. I don't believe in any of that stuff. Anyway, so just on that fact alone, I'm like, you're missing the whole point of the whole thing. The point of this life is not to avoid hell. The point of this life is to experience heaven, the days of heaven on earth. And that's what we have. That's what we've been given. But we miss out on it because we're trying to earn it, because we think it's only for the afterlife. We think, well, if I'm good on the earth now, I'll be rewarded after I die in the afterlife. And I did a whole, you know, I did a whole rant about that too, about what Jesus talked about in the afterlife and what I believe about the afterlife. So you can go back and find that one if you want to. But my point is, Jesus came, Jesus said, the robber comes not but to steal and to kill and to, and to destroy. And he was talking about trying to get into the sheepfold any other way but through him, through the door. And I believe that the robber that he was talking about is our own selves. We rob ourselves from what we've already been given by trying to get it any other way except fighting the good fight of faith, which is simply believing that what God says is true and laying hold of the gift that we've been given. So I want to talk about this idea of our father being well pleased with us, because if we can understand that, we can stop trying to please him by being someone we're not. And we can simply embrace who we are with the, the truth going forward that knowing that he is already well pleased with us. And that's so important to me because the affirmation of a father will always empower the son. It's, it's like really like, I don't know if we think it's easier to try to like scare people straight or whatever the case may be. But, you know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's so much easier to build somebody up than it is to tear them down and try to rebuild them. 
Like if we would just get this message out from the jump, we wouldn't have to undo a lot of things that we unfortunately do, even with good intentions, right? Like, I don't know. It, it's frustrating to me sometimes when I see, especially religious folk who, you know, sit on their high horses and judge other people and try to make sure that other people aren't doing the same things that they're doing. Like the hypocrisy just drives me crazy. And I'm like, we need to build people up. We need to tell people who they are. We need to tell people what's right with them instead of always telling people what's wrong with them. So I want to read a couple of verses to first show. There's two really cool uh, instances of this phrase, well-pleased, that I want to highlight. And I'm actually reading from the King James Version for all my passages today, just because I wanted the phrasing to be right. In the New Living Translation that we usually use, it says, this is my beloved son who brings me great joy. And that's, I mean, that's what my son does. Even on his worst day, even on my worst day, even on a day where we just don't connect and we just miss and it's just whatever, whatever's wrong between us. Even on those days, my son brings me great joy. Like being a parent is, it's so hard, but it's the, it's the best. It really is. And I know that it's worth it. All the sacrifices and everything because I have a son and he brings me great joy. But like I said, I wanted to get the phrasing right for the rant today. So I'm using the King James all day today. And I want to start in Matthew chapter three with verses 16 and 17. It reads, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And there's a lot here just in these couple of verses. But what we see is, remember we talked about, uh, when we talked about the flood and we talked about Moses releasing the dove and the dove flying all the way to the book of Matthew because uh, he, you know, he first he released the raven and the raven couldn't find anything. Then he released the dove and the dove found back an olive branch. And then he released the dove again and the dove never came back. And that's how he knew the water from the flood had receded so he could land and, you know, it, it would he could let the people out of the ark and they would be on dry ground. And the dove, which always represents the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit was leading and guiding them and showing them where and when to go. And then it flew all the way to the book of Matthew and it descended upon Jesus and lighted upon him. And it wasn't until the dove, it wasn't until the Holy Spirit that the voice from heaven came saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we're going to hit this real hard in just a second, but I want to read my other verse first so I can make a, uh, so I can tie it together and make a point about it. And it's Luke chapter three, verse 22. And it reads, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. And I really like that it has it recorded in both of those ways. Because in Matthew, we see a public declaration from the Father about the Son. Where God says, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. He was telling everybody else who Jesus was. And that's an important deal. Like that's that's big. That means from you know from that point on, he had his father's authority. He had daddy backing him up in a very public way, saying, "Nope, that's my son. I'm well pleased with him. Listen to him." And it's the same thing on the Mount of Transfiguration when uh, when Jesus showed some of his disciples, 
you know, who he really is. And, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit said, this is my son, listen to him. Because uh, I believe it was Moses and Elijah were there, which are the law and the prophets. And uh, one of the disciples said, we need to make some altars for these guys. And the Holy Spirit said, no, it's not about the law and the prophets. It's not about Moses. It's not about Elijah. This is my son, Jesus. Listen to him. He always backed up his son and gave him all the authority that he needed. And I think that's what we need to do, not only with our children, but with each other in our lives. We need to back each other up. We need to let the Holy Spirit show us who we really are. And we need to really like publicly proclaim that for each other. Like instead of saying, oh, here's the bad thing. Oh, you've lied to me. So you're a liar. Instead of defining people by their faults or their mistakes, we need to start seeing people the way God sees them and speaking about them the way that God speaks about them. And I think that's so, so important. And then also in Luke, God internalized it in a sense. He personalized it. He didn't say it about Jesus. He said it to Jesus. He said, thou art my beloved son. In thee, I am well pleased. He said, you are my son and I'm well pleased in you. He gave it directly. See, in Matthew, he said it about Jesus. But in Luke, he said it to Jesus. So there was no mistake in anybody's minds about Jesus's identity, except, of course, that as soon as the Holy Spirit, you know, lit, lit upon him and descended upon him, he was driven into the wilderness and he, he spoke to Satan, the accuser, who said, if you really be the son of God, which, I mean, he, everybody just heard that and Jesus just heard that. So that was the worst possible time for, for Satan to attack his identity is when he had just had it reaffirmed in the in the best most powerful way possible if you be the son of god you know dash yourself or jump off this cliff and you won't dash yourself on the stones which was true all the things satan told jesus to do he easily could have done but jesus didn't do them. he said i know who i am and i don't need to prove it to you so get off my back jack and that's what i always say when you know the truth you can ignore the lie you don't have to fight it you don't have to always be telling people who are who you are and proclaiming what you're doing and all these different things you can just go about your business you know you don't even have to give any time or space or attention or effort to the lie because that's all it is it's a lie and if you know the truth the lie doesn't matter so jesus knows who he is and the people know who he is and this is so important because who is he god's beloved son in whom god is well pleased and this baptism, it happened before Jesus started his earthly ministry. This uh, affirmation and confirmation of the Son by the Father, it didn't come because of anything that Jesus had done. It simply became, he didn't, God didn't say, you're a great teacher in whom I'm well pleased. He didn't say, you're a great prophet in whom I'm well pleased. He didn't say, you're the Messiah in whom I'm well pleased, even though all of those things are true. He said, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God is well pleased with us, not because of what we do, but because of who we are. Like I said about my son, I'm well pleased with him. He brings me great joy. I love him unconditionally, not because of what he does, but because of who he is. And one time I remember when Logan was very small and he was in his, you know, his questioning phase, his why phase, everything I said, his answer was why. One time I said, I love you, little buddy. And he said, why? And I thought about it for a second. And I said, well, because you're mine. And that's how God looks at us. 
He loves us because we're his. We are the apple of his eye. We are his favorite creation. I'm his favorite, just like you're his favorite. He doesn't play any favorites because we're all his favorite. But he loves us simply because of who we are and who he is. And if you really think about it, what could the God of love do other than just simply love? If God did anything else but love, he would be denying his own nature. And even though I think he probably could do that since he can do anything, there would be no reason for him to do that. Like, why would he do that? Why would he try to be somebody he's not when he's the greatest thing that there could ever be? Love is the greatest thing in the universe. And our God, he doesn't just love, he is love. He's the source of that love. We love because he first loved us. He gives us the ability to love. And he gives us the ability to love by letting us know who we are and who he is. He gives us the ability to love by loving us. He loves us and then we love him back by loving each other. That's the whole point of the whole thing. And that's the way that this whole world is supposed to work. This world is supposed to work by God loving me and me loving him back by loving you. And it's that simple. And I didn't say it was that easy because sometimes it's hard to love people because sometimes we fall into, you know, ideas of whether or not they deserve it and whether or not we like them and all these different things. But the simple fact of the matter, the simple ultimate truth of the matter is that God is love and he loves you. And because he loves you, you can love anybody. You can love everybody. So I have one more verse and two more passages I want to read. And I hope this will kind of like explain to us what makes God pleased. What is his good pleasure? What, you know, because there's this, there's something inside of us that, that wants to please him. And we don't always know how to do it. And I think that's how we get twisted off track so quickly and so easily. So I'm going to hopefully try to uh, hammer home what his good pleasure really truly is. So Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And I love this verse. It's one of my favorites. And I know I've said that twice already. But you guys, you know I love the Bible. You know I love all the verses. I love this verse because it's God working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He doesn't just put the ability to do it in there. He puts the want to do it in there. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. Every kind, loving, generous, merciful, gracious, forgiving thought, idea, action in you comes from God. And when it comes out of you, that's God manifesting himself through you. But it, but again, it comes from him. He puts that in there so that he can bring it out of there. It's all God. And we just have to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. We just have to let God say, or I'm sorry, we just have to say to God, here I am, choose me. The ability that God wants is availability. He'll do the rest of it. He is the power that is working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So it comes from him. The idea comes from him. The ability comes from him. It all comes from him. So to me, that makes things a lot, sim a lot more simple and a lot easier where I don't have to try to figure out the good and perfect will of God. I just have to let him do what he's up in mind to do in me and through me and as me. So now let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to read verses 3 through 14. And the heading here is spiritual blessings. It reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And the word places there is in italics, which means it wasn't in the original uh, script of the Bible. So really what it says is, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly Christ. Our blessings are in him because he is our blessings. And look at that. He hath blessed us, past tense. He has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings. We have everything we need to be who we really are. We don't need to get anything. The only thing that we need to quote unquote get is the knowledge of who we are, which is given to us day by day, moment by moment, as Jesus reveals himself to us and in us and through us and as us. So we have everything we need to be who we are. We just have to know what we have and be who we are. Stop trying to be somebody we're not and embrace who we are. So verse 4 goes on and says, According as he hath chosen us in him, right? All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly Christ, we have been chosen in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. He does things heartily, which is one of my, you know, I've ranted on this many times. I think everything we should do, we should do it heartily. We should do it to the best of our ability because it's in our heart to do it. He predestined, he predestinated us into the adoption of children by Christ Jesus to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. He does everything according to his good pleasure. Jeremiah says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil to bring about an expected end. Everything he does is for our good. I believe it was, uh, oh, I was blank on it. What? Who was it who had the coat of many colors? Ah, I can't remember his name right now. But anyway, when he made it all the way to the top of Egypt, he told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God used it for good. So God's always on our side. He's always doing things for his good pleasure, the good pleasure of his will. He wants things to be good for us. He wants us to have the best things in life. God always blesses his people. So he doesn't want us to be, he doesn't want us to live in poverty. He doesn't want us to struggle to get through each and every day. He wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. He wants us to experience the abundant life. And the thing that makes the abundant life abundant is love. That's what he lavishes us with. More than material possessions, more than anything else, he lavishes us with his love so that we can lavish him back by lavishing each other. So verse 6, it goes on and it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We're already accepted. We're already blessed with all spiritual blessings. We're already everything and everywhere that we need to be. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Again, we already have that. We don't need that. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. He purposes his own good pleasure in himself, and then he accomplishes it to, for, in and through us. His good pleasure is our good pleasure. His good pleasure is us 
receiving and experiencing his abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life of love. So again, verse 8, it says, Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the glory, unto the praise of his glory. After we believed, we were sealed with the same Holy Spirit that descended upon Jesus like a dove. We get that same revelation from that same Holy Spirit. Not just Jesus is God's beloved son, but you are his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. It has to be personal. It has to be. And, and, and that's why the Bible says in another place that he has given this, us the spirit of sonship so that we might cry out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship. It's the spirit of truth that leads and guides us into all truth. And it shows us who we are in light of who he is. It equips and empowers us to be who we are by letting us know who we are. We can cry out, Abba, Father. Because we know that we are his son in whom he is well pleased. We can boldly approach the throne of grace to get grace to help in time of trouble. Because we know that our heavenly father has already given us everything that he has and everything that he is. That's what our inheritance is. And unlike the prodigal son who wished his father was dead so he could have his inheritance early and went out and squandered it and still was able to come back to father's house, we get to be like the other son, the older son, who was with our father every step of the way and could have, you know, the older son was mad because he's like, you never threw me a party. And his dad was like, you've been with me this whole time. Everything I have is yours. You could have had a party anytime you wanted. But we rob ourselves from what's available to us because we don't know it's available to us because we think we have to earn it we think we have to be somebody we're not in order to try to get something we haven't got. And that's just simply not true. If we're in Father's house and everything he has is ours, then we can we can have it. We can use it. We can experience it. And the best way to have it and use it and experience it is to share it, to give it away. Because that's what love is. Love is giving. You know, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. So... And that's why I like the idea of throwing a party, because when you throw a party, you, you you don't just throw it for yourself. I mean, you might, you know, the the theme of the party may be for you, but it's for other people. You invite people. And there's a whole lot in the Bible about, you know, going out into the hedges and the byways and the highways and, and finding people who you wouldn't normally invite to your party and bringing them in. Because daddy doesn't want all the party supplies to go to waste. He wants them to be experienced and enjoyed. He created this life for us so that we could experience it and enjoy it by sharing it with each other. He gave us his life so that we could experience life to the fullest, so that we, we might know what it means to be known, 
so that we might know what it means to be loved. And that's why he put all these things in our past. That's why 2,000 years ago he finished the work. And really, the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. So there's never a time that the work wasn't finished, in a sense. But, I mean, it was never in doubt. But it wasn't until the cross that it was manifested in fullness so that we could know who we are and be who we are instead of trying to be somebody that we're not. God does not want you to be somebody that you're not. He wants you. That's why, man, and, and I think I rant about this a lot, but the, the whole idea and the whole phrase of, oh, God loves you just the way you are. He just loves you too much to leave you that way. I don't like that. I don't buy that. I don't get that. Because if you love someone just the way they are, that means you accept them just the way you are. But what God wants, and I do believe that. I believe God loves you just the way you are. What I believe is that God wants you to know just the way you really are. Because a lot of the things that we believe are about ourselves and about each other just plain simply are not true. In the beginning, when, when, when God formed us, when he made the heaven and the earth, the mind and the body, when he made you and me, it was we were dark and void and without form. We didn't know who we were. And we would believe anything. Like Eve believed what the serpent whispered in her ear. Even though she walked in the coolness of the evening with the voice of God, with literally with Jesus. She still didn't know who she was, so she believed any old thing. The Bible, you know, Jesus himself talks about being blown about by any wind of doctrine. Like, it's so easy to believe. if And especially if somebody's yelling it in your face and screaming it in your face over and over and over again. It's easy to believe a lie. Right? And sometimes it's harder to hear that still small voice of truth deep inside of you when God is saying, You are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. I love you. He's saying, I love you with every beat of his heart in our chest. But sometimes we can't hear it because sometimes the world is too loud. And we have to make a conscious effort to ignore the lie of the world and hear the truth of our Heavenly Father. We have to know that he is well pleased in us. And then we can stop trying to make him be pleased with us. So let me read my last verse and then I'll rant a little bit more and then I'll close this up. Or my last passage rather. It's Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. And it says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. By him, of, him, of course, being Jesus in this context. By Jesus, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices... God is well pleased. What is his good pleasure? What makes him well pleased? The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, doing good, and communicating. Like that's as, as simply as I can make it. Loving one another is what makes God well pleased. Period. Full stop. That's the whole the, People always want to be holy. People always want to be righteous. People always want to do the right thing. That's it. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name, doing good, and communicating. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. If you want to make daddy happy, do those things. If you want to make daddy happy, have an attitude of gratitude. Stop grumbling. Stop moaning. And I'm not saying you can't, you know, when I'm not saying you can't come to him for help. Of course you can and you should. The Bible tells us in another place that we are to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. But I think there's a difference between you know, I'm going through a bad situation. I'm going to put it in God's hands. 
and moaning and griping and whining and complaining about it all the time. I think it's so much, it's, it's a so much better uh, show of trust to just, uh, you know, what do they say? Let go and let God to just put it in his hands and just let him do what he's going to do with it. Just trust him in every situation. And then you can have that attitude of gratitude because then you will know that he's going to take care of it and you can build your faith when he takes care of it. God's not afraid to build your faith. He's not afraid to show himself faithful. He loves to do that. He loves to show up and show out when he's given opportunity to do so. Like if you're going to try to do it yourself, I think God will let you try to do it yourself. But if you put it into his hands, he's happy to take over. One preacher says it like this. When you work, God will rest. But when you rest, God will work. Right? And Jesus said in another place, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you can't do it, God will do it. So just give it to him and let him do it. That pleases the father. And that's what I tell my son too. I'm like, buddy, you got to try the best you can. But if you can't do it, I'll help you. And that's because I want him to learn and grow and be able to do things for himself. But to an even greater degree, spiritually speaking, God wants to be a part of everything that we do. He doesn't need us to try our best. He just wants to be able to get in there and, you know, really just do it for us and with us and as us. One more time, you know, giving our bodies, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. And I think I might, you know, just do a whole rant about that next week. We'll see. But I think it's such a such an important and such a cool idea to present your body as a living sacrifice, to just let God have it and say, do what you're going to do, Daddy. But for this week, I'm about to close. I just wanted us to understand that he is well pleased in us. We don't have to gain or earn his good pleasure. He works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he is well pleased in us. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, su- you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it to uh to help me to get the word out which you know as we know by now is is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry um so just thank you for your support i love you and there's nothing you can do about it amen